if you're getting ready, if you're a week to your exam, odds are good that you would not be able to learn something new or master some skill that you're rough on. Those final kind of days of studying, focus on the things that you're the strongest at. Reiterate those, because you want to make sure that you earn those points really, really well. Hello, and welcome to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. That was Learning at Cisco's principal engineer, Hank Preston. On this episode, we're going to continue bringing you all the information we can about the Cisco DevNet Expert Program with an Ask Me Anything session hosted by the Cisco Learning Network. The individuals answering questions in this AMA formulated this new certification path, and they get into the reasons why they made the exam the way they did, what's similar and different about this exam from other expert-level exams, and how candidates can best use the resources available to them to study and succeed. In addition to Hank Preston, we will also be hearing from Cisco DevNet Senior Developer Advocate, Stuart Clark. Focus on developing that expertise. CCIE is 360 degrees of technical knowledge, which is really used to test candidates. Professional expertise, practice and theory, it all goes into it. You're going to have to need that hands-on skills, experience, and also suitable speed for being able to clearly exam. Distinguished services engineer Joe Clark. You will have a search engine. You will have some means of being able to search that documentation that Dimitri called and pulled together from the internet. Network automation architect Dimitri Feigl. I do believe documentation and debugging in general are core things that programmer needs to navigate to be able to be successful. So even more important than in other expert level exams. Principal engineer Ramsey Smyers. There's a lot possible with Terraform. So we have restricted what you need to learn, but the things that we put on, it's really, we expect you to know all of it. And exam program manager, Kirk Kloss. For design, it's kind of different because I think design relies a lot on the experience that you have. So my advice would be first try to study all the topics on the blueprint in a way that you understand what it's about, in a way that you can implement it, that you can troubleshoot it, that you can do it. First, learning at Cisco's principal engineer Hank Preston kicks things off by introducing everyone on the panel who will be answering questions and what their various roles were in the making of this new expert level certification track from Cisco DevNet. We've got Stuart Clark. Stuart's a senior developer advocate with Cisco's DevNet organization. He's been involved with all of the DevNet certifications from the earliest days, and we're happy to have had him helping us with this DevNet expert, kind of the culmination of our Cisco certifications focused on programmability. Joe Clark, distinguished engineer extraordinaire on all things learning. Joe's been a pleasure to work with on this exam. He's brought a lot of depth of knowledge around the expert certifications and all things Cisco certifications. So welcome, Joe. Ask any questions you have his way. Dimitri Figo is our network automation architect. I would say Dimitri is one of those guys that has brought in the viewpoint of the full-time network automation engineer to the area. He's done a great work to make sure that all of our Python code looks great, makes sense, we're abiding to the standards, we're writing code the way that it would be expected to be done. He's been fantastic to have on the team. Ramses has been excellent. He's a distinguished engineer. He's been involved in a few of the other Cisco expert certifications. And then finally, rounding out our, our team of SMEs here is our exam program manager, Kurt. He's keeping us all making sure that the structure of the exam is correct, that the forms that you're going to see on exam day, that we build an exam that fits well into our eight-hour window. It really has been a pleasure working with all of the folks on the back end, getting this exam ready to go. 
With all of the introductions made, Kurt takes the first question from the audience. What are the prerequisites to take the DevNet Expert Lab? The only thing they need to do is take the DevNet Professional Core exam. And once you have taken that exam, you can choose two parts. You can say like, I'm first gonna do that professional track and I'm gonna do some deep dives, concentration exams in that DevNet professional track, which by the way is a great idea because it will allow you to build that experience and to build that knowledge to be ready for the DevNet expert exam. And once they've done the DevNet professional core exam, they are eligible to book their lab, basically. The next question goes to Joe Clark, who was asked, do we need to be able to code solutions from scratch? Not only from scratch, but we insist on assembly, which is what every network automation engineer needs to know. Uh, no, I, I, this is one of the things that I changed my mind with as we evolved the exam preparation. In the beginning, a number of us thought that maximum flexibility was the right way. To, but we quickly realized that when you have the time constraints of doing this in five hours in the lab, that was going to be just a bridge too far. Just imagine, bring up a blank VS Code window or VIM, bring up that blank window and tell yourself you have 20 minutes and you need to write in your favorite language an application or a script that will go out and grab show IPN brief off of a few devices. Just try it. You have 20 minutes to do it. Oh, and you don't have access to Stack Overflow or Google in order to do that. And you'll quickly realize that yeah, the blank sheet of paper approach just doesn't really work. So yes, we still want this to be about code. We still want you to be able to prove and assert that you can do automation tasks and you can write code, but we've made some choices for you. We're going to present you with code that it needs to be fixed, completed, optimized. There's still that expert level need there to be able to grok someone else's code, get that context switch going, and then be able to execute the task. But it's not going to be a full blank write a script or an application from scratch. Dimitri takes the next question, which is what languages do candidates need to be comfortable with at the expert level to be successful with the exam? The main programming language, the prevalent one in the exam is Python, and we do expect candidates to be familiar with it, to be able to navigate different features of the language and to be able to write code in it. You might encounter some other tools that are not specifically using programming language, but some kind of configuration language like YAML or HCL or some other. You can find a list of those tools on our software list. And you might also encounter some other applications written with something else. But if that happens, you're not really required to know really much about them because that would not be something that we would test you on. Excellent. Yeah. I would say Python, we didn't pick it just out of the blue. It seems to be the one that most folks are doing network automation these days. I tried to get VBScript to be the one that was picked, but I was overruled by Dimitri on that and his love for Python. The next question also goes to Dimitri, which is, what about access to external documentation? What resources are available? Early on, we realized that an expert is quite different to other expert level exam where you need to do much more coding stuff you need to do much more developer related operations and that's usually not done we usually refer to documentation you refer to stack overflow you refer to things like that and we needed to put a lot of effort into making sure that people can actually do tasks in internet less environment we made sure that everything that 
you need in terms of documentation is available, I would ask people to refer to software list where they can see all software that it's installed and where relevant we are providing documentation for that pieces. For Python libraries, we have a special file there, requirements docs, where you can see all the Python libraries where for which we put documentation. We're actually giving you some links to more specific documentation so you don't have to go ahead and find it on DevNet portal or cisco.com. And I also wanted to hand it over to Cho to cover the documentation search. Thanks, Dimitri. We went to a beta recently, Hank and I, in Richardson, and I guess we kind of all knew it. Dimitri mentioned Stack Overflow at Google. We're all going to be honest with ourselves. We learn by example, and open source is great, and we share each other's work, so to speak. But we wouldn't have any of that. So sure enough, some of the feedback out of this beta was there's no search. Yeah, I know how to read documentation and I can understand API docs, but there's no search. I had had some experience internally doing a four-man search engine for some of our source code. So I threw something together based on Lucene, which is a, the Apache open source project text indexer. So you will have, we're calling it experimental. You will have a search engine. It ain't Google. It will find things. I was reviewing a question and I'm like, you know, I don't know that. So I tried it, it found it, but it's not the Google that you're used to, but you will have some means of being able to search that documentation that Dimitri called and pulled together from the internet. I think that's a valuable resource that I think any of the candidates will be happy to have because there is a lot of documentation and a big part of being an automation expert is, is navigating the docs and finding what's there. Dimitri takes another consecutive question, which is, what about API documentation? The Blueprint calls out products like ACI, AppDynamics, DNA Centers, and others. Are API documents available during the exam? On the exam, to reiterate, all documentation on cisco.com and developer.cisco.com is available, as well as any necessary third-party documentation was pulled specifically for the exam and provided. You should not expect that there is some kind of product and you need some kind of documentation that is just not there. We made sure that that is not the case. Excellent. Yes. The goal of our exam is that if there's a doc that's relevant for a question, you'll have access to it. And Joe was kind enough to build us the Clarkit search engine so that hopefully you can find the information necessary inside of those documentation. Stuart fields the next question, which is what Python libraries are available in the lab and what specific Python frameworks should candidates be familiar with? So we have actually published that as well. This is available as a download, just as a requirements.txt file for folks to install locally on their machine. And there's a couple of my favorites on there. I know you, you mentioned a couple of yours on there. We, there's no pip install for Fortran, sadly, so that didn't make it on there. But some of the ones that, you know, I'm more familiar with in my career, certainly things like NetMiko and PowerMiko. And then there's other ones on there, such as things like Multidict as well. Ginger2 is on the list as well, pretty tables on there. Pyatz is on there, you know, naturally. But there's some of the sort of like the big sort of more familiar ones that people might be familiar with. I'd advise everybody to download the requirements file which they can get and have a look through some of those and really gen up on the ones that you might not use every day or you might not be familiar with. Yeah, I would definitely say we don't want any of the Python libraries to be surprises. Take a look at that software list. That's a great place to check out and see what's there. The next question goes to Kurt, who is asked, will the exam be more widely available around the world? 
in the first phase, we will make the exam available in our, what we call like brick and mortar labs, which are our physical lab locations. I think we have about five or six all over the world. Like there is Richardson, Brussels, Bangalore, all these locations. You can find them all on cisco.com. And you can already register for the exam since a few months now, candidates can register. And the question that we get a lot is, will this lab also be available in our mobile offerings? And it is definitely something we are looking at. And in the first phase, as I said, we will be doing it only on our physical labs, but it's definitely on the roadmap to also expand that to the mobile labs so that candidates all over the world can choose for a local location where they can take the lab and that way they don't have to travel to uh, distant locations. So mobile labs definitely, and there's now also our offering of bring your own device potentially that will also be available for the DevNet Expert lab. So the question to that is, it will be more available worldwide. It will also become available for our mobile app offerings and bringing your own device offerings. Joe takes the next question, which is, what should we know about the candidate workstation that will be a part of this exam? I've never used so much Ansible in automating things, thanks to Ramses and his uh, both coaching and, and excellent framework creation there. One of the nice advantages of CML is it's very automatable. It has that REST API and it enabled us to do things in the back end. I think a little bit easier in terms of getting topologies up to speed as we automated the entire build out of the lab. Some of it is actually shareable. It's not confidential in the how we go about doing this. So I've made some of the Ansible that talks to CML available. If people are CML users out there and want to see kind of more of that inspiration on how you can use CML in more automated ways. The next question goes to Stuart, who is asked, besides CML, the DevNet sandboxes and the candidate workstation, is there anything that's required to lab up the pieces of the blueprint? Or is there anything extra? Is there anything extra that needs to be purchased or paid for? I think the DevNet Sandbox and you know including CML has pretty much everything in there. Which someone would need to sort of like really get warmed up with their hands-on experience as, as far as running sort of different topologies and doing automation. If the CML sandbox doesn't have that particular version in there, there's obviously other sandboxes in there as well where people can log in, reserve the sandboxes for free and get labbing up and go through the domain areas and get their hands-on pieces that they needed. And to Joe and Dimitri's point about the documentation, you know. Obviously, they're going to be a great leverage of resources for also following through and reading and understanding how you know, certain nuances work with certain technologies and getting that experience needed for the exam. Joe takes the next question, which is, how much networking knowledge is necessary for this? Do you need to be a CCIE? What's the level of networking knowledge necessary for someone to sit and be successful at the lab exam for the expert? This was another thing I think we went back and forth on, and I kind of erred on the side of need a little bit more. I would still argue that someone who has CCNP level network knowledge will come and be a little bit more confident and prepared. But Hank, you said it very well on probably our first webinar. There's an architect, a network architect perhaps, that's developing the config, the best practice in terms of the configuration, how the features are going to be deployed in the network. And you as the network automation expert are understanding the best way to deploy that at scale with automated testing, replicability, and things of that nature, error handling. It's not not necessarily that you're going to be 
coming up with the config and automating the deployment, but having that backstop of knowledge of what does this protocol do? What does this technology do? You'll see that in the blueprint and having that is definitely going to help you. Excellent. Yeah. I always talk about the DevNet certifications, whether it's associate or professional, or even expert as being the amount of networking knowledge is analogous to the amount of programming and automation knowledge necessary for like a CCNA or CCNP or CCIE. Those are the areas for overlap, for communication, for people to partner together. So you don't need to be a network expert, but you should understand kind of what networking is all about. The next question goes to Ramses, which is about how to use Terraform for the lab practice. How do we get the VMDKs or the ISOs or the images for actually preparing and studying and becoming comfortable with Terraform? I'd like to practice Terraform with vSphere and I need something to deploy. What kinds of options do I have and where can I get these kinds of resources? In general, Terraform itself is a binary. You can just download it from Terraform itself. It's typically a one binary file and you can just download that. And then as you start learning Terraform, you will notice that any third party equipment that you need to automate against, you will declare that into your plan. And then Terraform on Terraform in it will fully automatically download these modules. So from that perspective, all the third party plugins to automate with Terraform, that is fully automatable. That also means that in your exam, you'll most likely will be equipped with that with those modules already because there is no internet access so you will almost assume that part of that will be there for you now for you to practice again i would refer you back to the blueprint clearly explained what from a terraform perspective you need to know it is stating you need to know terraform 1.0 and you need to be able to work with the cisco devnet slash aci version 0.7 module those are the versions that you need that also means if you would like to practice with the aci terraform plugins we would encourage you to download the APIC simulator, which you can run completely as a VM. It's downloadable from Cisco.com. So feel free to download that. I'll be looking at Stuart and I'll, I hope he can complement maybe at the end my answer in the DevNet sandboxes. But you could download all this equipment. It's all available for you to download. You could perfectly practice with it. Again, check the blueprint. There's a lot possible with Terraform. So we have restricted what you need to learn. But the things that we put on, it's really we expect you to know all of it. And I think that's for a lot of things, you know, in a lot of, if I could complement some of the earlier answers around what do I need to study, we have very specifically always selected what you need to know, and we expect you to be an expert in those things. So also with Terraform, we have very carefully selected what we want you to know, and in those specific areas, we really want you to be the expert. And Stuart, if you can comment from the Sandbox perspective. Yeah, just take a look in the sandbox. And if it's not something you wanted to download, you can either get one of the reserve sandboxes or the always on sandboxes and get that hands on experience there as well. At this point in the Ask Me Anything, a few questions have been received relating to public cloud, like what type of public cloud knowledge is necessary? What can be expected relating to the public cloud during the exam? So Hank spends a moment answering these questions and describes what a candidate can expect. We've been fairly clear that during the exam, the internet is, you don't have access to the full internet for I think most people can understand why as, as that goes through. So in the hands-on portion of the exam, I think it's fair to say that all of the hands-on exercises you're going to do are gonna be things that can be reasonably done inside of a sandboxed environment. Now use sandbox, not DevNet sandbox, just kind of like a boxed off environment. However, there's a big reason that the design portion is a multiple choice and part of the exam. And that offers us opportunity to explore topics that we can't do practically in in a sandbox kind of lab environment that's on there. 
a reoccurring theme on today's session is look at the blueprint, look at the software and equipment list that's published. That's going to be your best information about what to study that's in there. If there's a piece of technology that you are expected to be comfortable with to answer questions from the blueprint, we tell you what those are so that you can be aware of them. We're really not trying to hide things that are in place. And the structure of the hands-on portion is kind of in a boxed off sandboxed environment. So hopefully that helps you kind of as you're doing your preparation, where to focus and where to spend your time on on that. Kurt takes the next question, which is how do you prepare for the three-hour design section of the exam? Yeah, that's a very good question, actually, and also not an easy one, because like you said, when we have those practical items and practical tasks to perform, one can imagine what he needs to do and start building exercises of his own or questions of his own and study that way for design. It's kind of different because I think design relies a lot on the experience that you have. So my advice would be first try to study all the topics on the blueprint in a way that you understand what it's about, in a way that you can implement it, that you can troubleshoot it, that you can do it. Once you have that expertise, you can start thinking about how to tie this together. For example, if you need to build a solution for your customer, your customer is probably going to come with a lot of requirements and constraints and stuff like that. And based on those requirements and constraints, you then offer him your advice on what solution to take. So from that point of view, I would try to build the experience with doing the practical things first and from there start to study and see the interconnections between all the different products and solutions. With the majority of the questions answered, Hank moves next into a roundtable discussion with the panelists, who all share their advice for final preparation leading up to the exam. What are some of the final preparation steps? What are the final kind of things that candidates should invest some time on before sitting down to go in and take their exams? What's the last minute cramming session? What's an API they should look at? What's some non-expert or automation skill that's important? Like where should people spend their time kind of as they're approaching those final moments before sitting down and taking the exam? We'll start with you, Joe, just because you're middle of my screen as I look at the film strip here. What are your suggestions for folks? I've said a few things in terms of practice and really making use of it, but I'll try something else based on the beta. The exam has three hours of upfront design and then five hours in the lab. And if you're spending an hour hour or if you're spending more than that on a question all of us are engineers we've got that yeah i can do this i can't give up kind of mentality but focus on that time management and if you've got the practice you're going to be able to move through these things remember the blueprint things are weighted differently you don't necessarily need a hundred percent of everything in order to pass so keep that in mind keep your time management and your strategy going into it where are you strong in the blueprint? Where might you be able to sacrifice a few points? Excellent. Great suggestion, Joe, on that one. Ramses, next to you, what are your final suggestions for people to prepare and study as they're getting ready to go in? So, and this is coming from somebody that failed multiple attempts at CCIE and took some learnings out of it. The first times my attempts on CCIE, I kind of read, oh, I have documentation. So uh, my entire strategy was, if I don't know anything on the exam, I will just use the documentation. Unfortunately, on the exam, I noticed that me using documentation was actually difficult on my first attempt. You know, I couldn't find my way in it. And actually, I was losing, I think, to the point that Joe was saying earlier. I spent hours and hours digging to documentation. I was losing myself in certain questions. So 
my biggest learnings in, in every attempt that I ever did and every pass I ever did for a CCIE exam is to have the documentation as my final, final parachute, not rely on it, not study based on with the documentation, not say, look, I'll look at the documentation during the exam. But as a good tip, what I can tell you is to understand and know the documentation of all of the different aspects of the exam. You would be surprised how much time you actually lose by checking for things and where they are in the documentation. So being able to navigate the documentation really well, and yes, we have a search engine for part of the documentation, but being able to navigate it, being able for each one of these components to know how the docs look like, and you can check that yourself on the internet, you can spend half a day a day studying that, will really give you that extra support that if you need to consult documentation, you find it really fast and you have a defined strategy on how you will use it. That's a great advice. I think the documentation and being able to use it effectively during the exam is a skill on every expert exam, certainly not just for ours. Stuart, you are up. What are your recommendations for folks kind of as they're finishing up, getting ready to take the exam for the first time? Focus on developing that expertise. CCIE is 360 degrees of technical knowledge, which is really is to test candidates. Professional expertise, practice and theory, it all goes into it. You're going to have to need that hands-on skills, experience and also suitable speed for being able to clearly exam. You know, there's a lot of concepts in the exams and there's some good technologies in there as well. I think, you know, Ram said it really, really well about relying on the documentation. And I've read a lot about people's tactics into taking that exam. The, documentation really there just as a guide or as a check for me when I've been looking into this. It's obviously, you know, you're going to feel really nervous going into this, but try to stay calm, try to not overthink things. And I always like to say when preparing for anything or learning anything new, it's just consistency, 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 and, and trusting yourself that you can do this. Great suggestions, Stuart. Thank you. Dimitri, what do you have for our folks listening in here? Any final suggestions, ideas to keep in mind as they're finishing their preparation? I want to reiterate what Ramsey said about documentation. I do believe documentation and debugging in general are core things that programmer needs to navigate to be able to be successful. So even more important than in other expert level exams. So I would really encourage folks to go through software list for every single product technology that is listed there, as well as every single Python library that we are providing you documentation. Go ahead and try using the documentation. Go ahead and use that Python library without Stack Overflow, just based on the documentation so that you are very familiar with what's going on there. You will not have so much time on the exam to just explore every single page. You kind of need to be strategic about it and to be able to find whatever you need to find within the minutes, right? So, and if you don't, then you have have to drop that and move on to the next question possibly. So that would be my advice. Excellent. All right, Kurt, all right, as exam program manager, what are your words of wisdom for all of our candidates getting ready to see one of our testing centers on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week? All the good answers are gone. No, no, no. I would say try to take away the stress. I remember when I did my first attempt, I was stressed out. I couldn't think clear. So try to be prepared for that exam. But also in my second attempt, for example, I didn't study for the last week, almost didn't study. It was just read some notes and things like that. But that made that I was kind of unstressed during the second attempt and that helped me a lot. And everyone has a different way of unstressing, like doing sports, listening to music, read a book. Try to do those things to take away the stress before your exam. 
Second thing, for example, try to build a strategy on the exam. Try to work on your time management. Try to pick those items that you think you're very comfortable with and that you can think you can solve quickly. And when you do, you will build some kind of confidence to work on those harder items as well. Excellent. So many good pieces of advice as folks are getting ready. So the one that I'll end with here is if you're getting ready, if you're a week to your exam, odds are good that you would not be able to learn something new or master some skill that you're rough on. Those final kind of days of studying, focus on the things that you're the strongest at. Reiterate those because you want to make sure that you earn those points really, really well during your exam rather than trying to hope that you can learn enough about some topic that you're weak on to get yourself not just to like associate level, but you've got to get yourself to an expert level when you sit down to take the DevNet expert exam. And so if you've got your weekend and you haven't touched one of the topics, leave it aside, focus on the things that you're already strong at, make sure that you can earn those points really well. That's it for our Cisco Certified DevNet Expert Ask Me Anything session. If you'd like to find more information about the DevNet Expert exam and program, please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com. There, you can find training videos, study groups, and documentation for all of Cisco certifications. And please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast to hear more news about Cisco's evolving certification portfolio and the stories of others on their journeys to becoming Cisco certified. Thanks for listening.